Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me today is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Latricia. Hello, Difference Makers. Today, we have a special guest. Danielle Desir is an author, speaker, podcaster, and the founder of The Thought Card, an award-winning affordable travel finance blog and podcast, empowering people to make informed financial decisions, travel more, pay off debt, and build wealth. Danielle has paid off $63,000 of student loan debt in four years and purchased her first home at the age of 27. She has traveled to 26 countries and strongly believes in not letting your financial responsibilities hold you back from pursuing your dreams. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies, for having me. We are very excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to talk about finances and wealth building because I think it's so important. It's important for everyone, but I particularly think it's important for the Black community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Phyllis noted that you paid off $63,000 worth of student loan debt. Can you tell us how you did that in just four years? Yeah, sure. So I would say that uh, for me, I had to really sit down and think about what I really wanted in my life. And when I sat down, I realized that for me to pursue the things I wanted, I really needed to get rid of my debt. And I had to come to a fork in the road and decide, listen, am I going to stay home and live with my mom in my early 20s and make a lot of sacrifices to get debt free? Or am I going to live in New York City where I work and it's closer and, you know, kind of ignore the debt? And I said to myself, you know what, in order for me to really excel, I need to get rid of my debt. And what I decided to do is I decided to live at home with my mom and I lived at home for four years. But in the meantime, while I was living at home, I went above and beyond the minimum payment of my student loans. So the important thing about student loan debt is that every single day that you have the student loan debt, you're paying interest. And that interest is quantified daily. And I figured out that my student loan debt was $10.10 a day when I first got out of graduate school. So that lit a fire in me. I was so angry and I felt so blindsided by the fact that I took out all the student loan debt and I had no idea how I was going to pay it back. I had no plan. I had no job. I was just like, what is going on? Like, what? Where? It was just very confusing. But I used that anger and I, and I used that to really build the momentum to make the decision to work on paying it off. And I would say if you do want to pay off your student loan debt, you really have to go above the minimum payment. And to be honest, you really have to go above and beyond the daily interest. So for me, when I was making my payments, I would go above that 10, 10 a day. And that's really how I was able to speed up the process and pay off my student loan six years ahead of schedule. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And I think it's so important that people understand what you said about student loan debt, because a lot of times we don't think about the after effect of these student loans. We think about the importance of going to school, particularly black 
women, they're leading the way or we're leading the way in education, but we're also leading the way in student loan debt. And student loan debt is one of the things that is hindering so many of us from building wealth. I totally agree. And it's something that I had the foresight to know when I was in high school that I wanted to not accumulate too much student loan debt. Um, and actually, I had applied for so many scholarships, merit scholarships, minority scholarships. I got a scholarship for the New York Lottery. Um, so I really started my college career backed with a lot of funding. Um, however, by the time sophomore year came around, this was around the time of the Great Recession, and my financial aid packages started to dwindle. And unfortunately, my mom couldn't help to bridge the gap. So that's really when the student loan debt started to accumulate. So I had about $20,000 in undergrad, which comparatively, that's not that much as compared to a lot of people. But then when I went to grad school, that's where I took out that extra 40000 And, you know, it was it was really hard because even with the best intentions, even when you prepare ahead, even when you apply for grant funding, you make sure that you get as much finance as you can. You know, you might not be able not be able to cover the entire bill. Um, But I would say that uh, what's really important is that when you are in college, if you can make those payments to the student loans to reduce that amount, it's the best. Because if you have there's two types of student loans, there's subsidized student loans, that means the government is paying your interest for you. And unsubsidized means that the government's not paying your interest for you and you're on the hook, even if you're in school. So when I was in college and graduate school, I had, you know, part-time jobs. And as much as I could, I would try to reduce that unsubsidized student loans so that I'm not on the hook later. So these are like the, the tips and tricks that I would say, but it's really important to know, to know the numbers, to know where these how to calculate interest and how to get ahead because a lot of people, they make the minimum payment and they're barely scratching. They're barely scratching the interest, let alone the principal. So you were able to pay off $63,000 worth of student loan debt and buy a house? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> another, like, I just think it's really important. Like when we started the conversation to think about like, where do you want your life to go? So at the point when I started to say to myself, you know what, I want to take this student loan debt out of my life, I thought big picture. And big picture was if I need to stay at home for the next couple of years to really focus on that, what do I want my life to look like right after that? And I said to myself, you know, if I make sacrifices for my early 20s, I really want my late 20s to be more of me living independently and more of me making strides. So I said to myself, after I'm done paying off my student loan debt, I want to move into the next stage of my life. Most people, what they do is that they work on one particular goal at one time. And then when they're done with that goal, they switch. So most people would pay off their student loan debt and then start saving for a house. But for me, I said, you know what? Let me focus on both of these goals. I've always been a multifaceted saver. So I focus on multiple financial goals at the same time. And that's really how I was able to finish paying off my debt. And then a couple months later to buy a house because I was working at, you know, both of them at the same time. Now, don't get me wrong. When you're focusing on multiple financial goals at the same time, you're not going to be able to go 100% on both of them, right? Because your funds, you know, are limited. You only have so much funds to go around, but one could be one that you focus more on and the other one could be working slowly in the background. And over the course of the four years, I had enough saved up 
to make a down payment soon after I paid off my debt. So it sounds like you were ahead of the game because you started out being financially literate. Yeah. How, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How important is financial literacy when it comes to meeting financial goals and building wealth? It is huge. So I was fortunate to have, uh, you know, my family is very finance focused. Money was talked about all the time in my household. My mom was a saver. My grandma was a saver. Um, I opened up my first retirement account at the age of 15. So finances has always been something that is really, really important in my household. And it really set the foundation and base. So I knew that it's important to stash money away for the future. But that doesn't mean that just because you have a foundation of, you know, foundation for finances doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes, right? Um, I made, I have made plenty of mistakes and it's really the mistakes that you make that really help you to grow as a person because you appreciate so much more than, you know, oh, mom told me about this versus, okay, I live this and this is hard. <laughs> so it's, it's really important, but also to learn from your financial mistakes and to pass that forward and to really share, which is why I, talk about money and, and travel on my blog so much because I really want people to make more informed financial decisions. The more you know, the better you could position yourself in the future. On your blog and podcast, Adult Card, do you also talk about those who have already made mistakes and how they can fix those mistakes? So it really depends. Uh, my blog and podcast really follows my personal financial journey and I share a lot of the things that I have learned um, it really depends on my, on my podcast. I would more likely be able to talk to people more about the mistakes that are made because I interview a lot of other people, other financially savvy travelers. Um, but it really depends on what's happening in my personal life. And then I can share based off, uh, based off of that. Okay. You are very fortunate to have parents who are financially intelligent. Sometimes that's not the case in, in certain homes or even a black community. What advice would you give to parents who are raising children in order to be financially fit? And what advice would you give to an adult who wasn't raised to be financially fit? Absolutely. You know, there are plenty of free resources available out there. Going to your local library, it's nothing to laugh at. The local library has tons of, you know, actual books, but also audiobooks as well. So I would start there. Start with the free resources that you can consume. And books are a great way to just start, you know, just start learning about money and personal finance. I'm also a big advocate for listening to podcasts. Podcasts just offer a wealth of resources. It's just like, you know, having conversations, people sharing what they learned all for free, you know, so dive into, you know, personal finance podcasts, do a quick Google search, best personal finance podcast. And there's so many different kinds of podcasts and kinds of topics from investing to real estate to budgeting. So really find the podcasts that speak to you and whose hosts speak to you as well. And uh, for someone who hasn't had the right the right um, upbringing with finances or wants to learn more about finances, I would always say to start off with the, with the budgeting. Um, budgeting is really important because it's really helping you to track where your numbers are going. A lot of people will tell you, 
earn more money. But before you start side hustling and working yourself, you know, working yourself uh, to death, really, what I think is more important is to figure out what, what am I making right now? And how can I optimize this financial situation and make the most of it? A lot of times you'll find that there's a lot of excess waste, you know, a lot of things that you're paying for subscriptions are an easy thing to just be like, you know, what, I don't really need this. And again, it's determining what do you really need to survive versus what do you want to survive? And if you really want to save more money, there will have to be a lot of times cuts that have to be made and you have to make that decision as what is important to you and what will ultimately lead to your happiness. I can definitely vouch for looking at what you spend your money on. I was spending a lot of money on eating out. <laughs> so I saved hundreds of dollars a month by just cutting back from eating out. What are some things that keeps black people from building wealth in general? I think the lack of transparency, honestly, I feel like in the black community, people don't talk about finances enough. And when you hear about finances, it's usually in songs and in, you know, music videos. And it's just so like not even like reality at that point. Um, so just having more conversations, talking about income, how much we make, what the income pay gap may be, um, and really just understanding where's our money going and also how can we leave and, you know, carve out some money behind so that we could leave a legacy and really help the future generations to have a starting point, which is why I love legacy building so much is because you're really giving uh, the future generations a leg up and a starting point. Like my mom was able to, because she shared with me about saving and personal finance at an early age, I had the tools and resources to go out and make a better life for myself. So I think as we continue to pass on information and knowledge, and this is all free, you know, you don't have to, um, if you don't have a lot of money to pass down, you could still pass down your knowledge um, that's rich. That's really rich in resourcefulness. So I think those are easy ways for us to to really get started and to shift those mindsets. Yeah, those are really great tips. And I, I think just looking back historically on wealth in the black community and this huge wealth gap that is present today, I was reading something that said that the wealth gap hasn't really changed in the last 50 years. So even with all of the education, all of the free information that's out there, there's still something that's hindering us from growing and becoming more financially savvy and more financially wealthy. Do you think part of it has to do with mindset? A lot of the things that we struggle with is mindset. And when it comes to money, there are a lot, a lot of mindset shifts that need to happen. Personally speaking, one of the mindset shifts that I had to really work through is abundance. There was a point early in my career where I felt like I couldn't earn any more money. Um, this is around the time where side hustling was becoming a big thing and everyone was, you know, before side hustling, there was really part-time jobs, right? Like we've, a lot of, a lot of people I know growing up had part-time jobs, but in the turn of the century, that's where side hustling, the quote unquote side hustling became a word for doing things outside of your nine to five. And uh, for me, shifting my mindset really has helped me to learn that I can, you know, money can flow to me and abundantly. Um, and reading books 
have really helped and listening to podcasts really have helped me to realize that there are plenty of opportunities to earn. Um, but again, it's not, it's less about what you make and what, and more about what you save. Um, so mindset has a lot to do with, uh, success, I believe for sure. I'm so glad you said that about less about what you make. And earlier you said that people will say make more money and making more money is that is not the answer because it seems like the more money people make, the more things they find to spend it on. One of the big issues we have in the black community is with spending and spending is glamorized in entertainment. While these entertainers have millions of dollars to spend, a lot of average people don't, but they still try to keep up with these entertainers. Yeah, I think what's more important is keep up with yourself. (laughs) Like really just like literally just like figure out what you need to do and focus on what resources you have. Um, And for me, I, I really just keep myself in a bubble. Like I figure out what I need to do and what's going to leave me and my family in a better place compared to looking at what these celebrities and stars are doing uh, because they're just in a different bracket and that's okay. You know, that's totally okay. And I, I also feel like, like you were mentioning before, I think there is a spending problem because people feel like they should be able to afford everything. And one of my favorite podcasts is by Paula Pants and it's called the Afford Anything Podcast. And her genius tag tagline says, you could afford anything, but not everything. And really everything and anything that you spend your money on is a decision that you're making. You're deciding to spend on this, which means that you're not going to be able to spend on that. But I feel like everyone wants to afford everything at the same time. They're not willing to put in the hard work and save. And that's where credit card debt also comes into, uh, you know, comes and becomes an issue because credit cards are really, if you use it that way, it's really you know, making you spend more than you have. So I really think it's about living below your means and not looking externally for satisfaction, but looking internally at what you have to do and what you have to take care of and just, you know, focusing and doing the work. There's no shortcuts. The $63,000 I paid off, it was $1 at a time. There was no shortcuts. There was no like forgiveness. I had to literally hunker down. Um, and Honestly, when I started, it felt like a lot. Like I said, I started off with, you know, no job, zero savings. Like, but as you start to get the momentum and you start to really focus, there's more clarity in your journey. Um, so that's what I would say. Hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think it is helpful. Now, what about people who are financially strapped? What kind of advice can you give them? I remember when I was growing up, people would say, Save for a rainy day, but when I grew up, every day was a rainy day, so there was nothing to save. Yeah, I would say, as like the personal finance uh, convention says, that it's really important to have an emergency fund, and that really will help offset when things get tight. But I would say that it really depends on how big your emergency fund is, because a lot of times when you start off your emergency fund with a thousand dollars. Any little thing that happens will set you back. So I really encourage people when there's $1,000, you go for $5,000 savings in your emergency fund. So if you do get hit with the $800 bill, you're not almost at zero. And for me, I realized that when I first started saving for my emergency fund, 
any little setback would make me feel so discouraged because I felt like I worked so hard and this one thing just blew me back down to zero. So I would encourage everyone, if you are saving for your emergency fund, to go above and beyond what a normal emergency will cost you so that, so that you can actually build off of that and you always have a little bit of a of a buffer. And again, if it's if you are strapped financially, it's really about in all of your expenses when you're writing them down, figure out what is a need and what is a want and really prioritizing what those needs are and focusing on those first. And then in the wants bucket, you can figure out okay, can this be something that I, you know, scale back on or hold off on for a couple months as I build up my reserves? Now, that is a great tip because there are so many ways that we can cut back. Like Phyllis was saying, she was spending a lot of money eating out. I know I spent a lot of money eating out also. You know what? Another thing, I think going to the grocery store without a list and just picking up things instead of having a list being intentional about grocery shopping, that's another place where I overspend. Yeah, I definitely agree. A lot of times we just like put things in the cart and you didn't even check your fridge because you have a lot of duplicates. Things are rotting in your fridge, right? (laughs) I think what it comes down to is intentionality, is to really be intentional with not only, you know, how you spend your time, but also how you spend your money. Really thinking that your money that you earn is valuable And every transaction that you make is a value exchange. So I think thinking through your expenses and how you spend your money and just just being a little bit more conscious about it can really help to um, alleviate some of those financial stresses and just really get you thinking in a mindset that is more positive around your finances. And also, I know a lot of people struggle with actually logging into their bank account on a regular basis. Again, it's important to just know your numbers and to face them. Whatever is in your bank account, it's just like just log in there and and not fear, um, not fear your finances. That really helps to build a more positive relationship. I can relate to that also. I was one of those people who would just feel like I was gambling when I was younger, going to pay for something. I think I got enough in there. So I really like that advice. <laughs> in addition to finances, you also speak about traveling. I would like to give you a scenario and could you tell me how to solve, well, not only me, the listeners, how to give a solution for that person? Sure. Mm -hmm. If there's a single parent with two children who maybe has $500 extra to utilize for fun, She wants to travel with her children. What would you suggest that she does? Right. So $500 will not get you to Disney World. And I think that's important to note because I think that a lot of, uh, a lot of parents, they look at what other parents are doing and then they try to like stretch themselves, uh, too thin. So $500 is a great amount of money for you to do local trips, local road trips. So if with two kids, perhaps theme parks would be really nice to go to. So for example, on the East Coast, you have Joiny Park, you have Hershey Park, Sesame, you know, Sesame Place, like there's so many Six Flags. So it's easier to just hop in your car and spend the day 
um, going to different theme parks and different attractions and even going to nearby cities. Like I live in Connecticut, but Philadelphia is not too far away. Uh, the biggest expenses when you're traveling are going to be transportation. So that includes flights, trains, hotels. Um, hotels accommodation is another thing that is very expensive and food. So if you're strapped for cash, but you want to travel and have those experiences with your family, I would say go on more local trips, day trips. So you're not even spending money on hotel, spend a couple of hours driving back and forth and spend more of that money on actual experiences that you're going to have with your family that you will not forget. Okay. Thank you very much. I do like that idea as well. Because, like you were stating earlier, sometimes people try to keep up with the Joneses, but just keep up with yourself. Absolutely. Let me ask you one last question. That has to do with sacrificing. From what I've heard in your podcast, you talk about traveling and saving and living your life. It doesn't sound like major sacrifice is absolutely necessary. What are your thoughts about that? I think it really depends on the season. It depends on the season in your life. I have made a lot of sacrifices to get to where I am today. And for me, it's less of sacrifices because it's part of my lifestyle now. Like my lifestyle consists of traveling, consists of saving, consists of building wealth is because I spent so long, years and years and years training myself to do certain things. And sometimes when you're saving money, and especially how I save, I save off the top, which means as soon as I get paid, I save. So whatever is left over after I save, I have to make that work. So I would say that there are a lot of sacrifices being made and it might not always be visible what that looks like for people, but it is a part of, it's a part of life because again, we have, you know, when we're earning money, it's finite, right? We, we have, we make so much a year and we are trying to really figure out how to afford all these things that we want to do. So again, everything that you spend on right now, there's going to be, have to be an opportunity cost, or you're going to have to say no to something else in the future, which is where intentionally intentionality comes to place. But again, it's about your lifestyle. If travel is an important part to you, your finances have to match that. Your goals have to align with your budget. And for me, travel is up there with my mortgage because I'm making sacrifices. Like putting money aside for travel means that maybe I I don't go to Starbucks every, you know, every week or I don't eat out as much. But again, it's really about your lifestyle and um, the things that are important to you. But at the same time, I'm not a believer in just like sacrificing endlessly without um, a cause. If you are going to make sacrifice, at least for my philosophy, it has to lead to something. It's furthering uh, one of your goals or something that you're pursuing in the future. I totally agree that there are times where sacrifice is necessary when we're wanting to achieve a goal or we have a specific purpose, something that we want to get done. I also believe that life is short and it's important that we're able to live for today. I have a relatively simple philosophy. My philosophy is give a little, save a little, spend a little. And that keeps me floating well above water. It's been a pleasure hearing from you and so proud of someone so young having so much success. Can you tell the listeners where to follow and find you? 
on social media, if you have a website or any other hashtags, a movement that's trending right now, please let us know. Sure, absolutely. So thank you so much, Latricia. And I really appreciate the, being on the show today. Um, so if you are looking to connect with me, you can find me over on my blog, thoughtcard.com. And I also have a podcast, a travel, affordable travel finance podcast called The Thought Card. And this is where I talk about affording travel, paying off debt and building wealth. I also am the author of an Iceland travel guide. So if you have ever wanted to visit Iceland, you can check out my Iceland travel guide. It's called Iceland Nature, Nurture, and Adventure. And I am at The Thought Card across social media. So that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And lastly, the project that I'm actually really excited to work on and to be releasing soon is I'm writing another book about affording travel. So I'll be able to detail step-by-step how I have made my finances and travel a priority in my life. Cool. We will make sure to include all of that information in the notes that we type up on our website. You were saying Iceland. Is that where the Northern Lights are in or no? Yes. Yes. I do want to go there. Yes. (laughs) Uh, You could also, yeah, you could find it in um, also Canada, some parts in Norway and Mm -hmm. Sweden. Uh, But Iceland is like, it's so easy to get. It's like easy to get to. um, The Northern Lights are really into winter. So it's where Mm -hmm. you see the blue and green like lights. I've actually never seen the Northern Lights yet. So because I've never been to Iceland in the winter, but I've been to Iceland three times. Usually in the spring and fall, but in the summer in Iceland, it's 24 hours of daylight. They call that the midnight oh, wow. sun. Yeah. So it's, Ooh. it's a spectacular, spectacular place. Uh, I cannot, I highly recommend it. Can't say enough about it. It's amazing. So yeah, in my book, I just share like things to do and places to eat, how to save money. Cause it's actually really expensive, but it's amazing. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank oh, you so cool. much. And are they partial to people of color or is it some tension? Yeah. There? No, I talk, I talk about that in the book as well. They are, okay. um, they are receptive to people of color. Um, but again, Iceland is predominantly white country because they mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of immigration and um, their policies are really, really strict. So you'll see a handful of people, uh, people of color who actually live in Iceland, but I've traveled there solo twice as a, you know, black woman and I felt extremely safe and comfortable. There was one instance I talk about it in the book of like, you know, a little safety concern. This guy was like looking at, like, I think he was following me, but he was walking in front of me, following me. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> um, but again, it's like being vigilant, uh, but it's one of the safest countries in the world. And uh, it's really great for solo travelers. And what's the name of your book again? Iceland, Nature, Nurture, and Adventure. I will, um, in the email I send you guys in a little bit, I'll make sure to uh, have a link to the book as well. Let me just say one thing, how your show has been helpful to me, because I'm a person who I don't I don't believe in using credit cards, because when I was younger, I had all this credit card debt and it was just ridiculous. So now, you know, my motto is credit is the devil, credit is the devil. And <laughs> I, but I was listening to your show and you were talking about this Delta Platinum card and how you can get a free companion ticket. And I was like. You know, you don't even think about the benefits like there are. I guess there are some benefits to having credit cards and being able to get a free ticket annually and get, I guess, your bags for free and all these Mm -hmm, other things. I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? 
I'm paying for tickets anyway. So. Might as well. I mean, the thing for about credit cards is that if you go overboard and you don't have discipline, for sure, it will get you in a lot of hot water and you can accumulate a lot of credit card debt. However, if you use it like a debit card, which is how I use it. So once I swipe at the end of the day or the end of the week, I go and pay it off because I use it as a debit card. So I'm really spending on my credit card what I would spend normally on my day to day. Um, but I'm using it as a means to accumulate points miles so I can get free travel. So a lot of my trips are like my flights are paid for for free because of my points and miles. One of the things I'm working on right now, uh, me and my boyfriend, we want to go to Japan hopefully in 2021. And I already have like money, like not money, but it's like credit card points stashed away just for that trip. So if you do open up a new credit card, think about what you want to spend that points and miles on and then use it as a debit card. I don't think people talk about that enough, but that's an easy way for you not to get in debt and for you to take advantage of the points too. To be able to travel because I've tried to go to Australia and New Zealand and it's so expensive. Yeah. I mean, if you open up a, it depends. I would say figure out like, figure out what airlines go to Australia from your hometown. And then based off that, look at what credit cards that, based off the airlines, look at what credit cards, like for example, let's say if American Airlines flies to Australia, then look at what American Airlines credit cards are offering. But then look at the sign up bonuses. Cause that's what's really, that's where all the lucrativeness comes in the sign up bonuses. So figure out how many miles it's going to take you to go to Australia. So it might be something like 60,000 miles. And that might just be one sign-up bonus. You just might need to open up one credit card to fly to Australia round trip. So that's how I would do that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. It's like that. that's, I mean, if you can uh, use your points and miles um, to forgo the travel expense, like that, again, frees you up so you could use that money elsewhere um, for other things, to more enjoy your trip, get a better hotel, you know, so there's there's a lot of options there. Yeah, that is a really cool tip. It's been a pleasure having you, and we look forward to all your success in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Latricia, Danielle gave us so much information. Do you have a principal challenge ready for us? Principal challenge. Live them out. The principal challenge for today is to... Find a podcast to listen to pertaining to financial literacy for education and accountability. Very nice. I personally like Retired Inspired. At this time, please open your mind, hearts, and ears for our next section. Spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. The nation's largest black bank has launched a campaign to close the racial wealth gap. To address this systematic issue, One United Bank has launched Bank Black X, a nationwide campaign that aims to close the racial wealth gap. The purpose of this campaign is to galvanize and educate black folks about money and make financial literacy a core value of the black community. Our second point is a Black-owned security firm has opened a 2.5 million headquarter in Black neighborhoods. Started out from a home basement office in 2001, AGB Investigative Services, a security firm founded by John and Denitra Griffin, 
just recently opened the doors of their new headquarters with $2.5 million. It is conveniently located in the predominantly black neighborhood of Auburn Grisham in Chicago, Illinois. We are also raising awareness through apps. A black entrepreneur has created a first ever social networking app to bridge the wealth gap. It is called Bean Now. B-E-A-N. Bravo Echo Alpha November Now. This social networking app is designed to foster relationships and connect members of the African-American community. Bean stands for Black Economic Advancement Network. It was designed with the future of economics in mind and serves as a hub for local business owners, entrepreneurs, and networking. This is the good news. We are spreading from New Orleans to Chicago, Illinois, and everywhere else. I definitely think finances can be very filling for us. Latricia, do you have a soul snack? Our soul snack for today comes from an Akon proverb, and it says, Dogs do not actually prefer bones to meat. It's just that no one ever gives them meat. Very fitting as always. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles Podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.